And we're back. Mike Cernovich, Danger and Play Gorilla Mindset with a good old school podcast. It's a podcast where we're just going to talk. And I don't even really know what we're going to talk about, but I think we'll find a theme at the end. I call it old school because these are how I usually would do my podcast back in the day. I take a walk and I kind of think of something and I go, let's just talk about this. So today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the biggest insight I probably had in the past five years. And, it, and uh, I remember where it happened. It was a big epiphany that completely changed my life. And I want you to kind of have epiphanies to change your life too. And we'll talk about how you can do that. All right. At the time I'm running Danger and Play, I had released Real Mindset. It had been out for a little bit. And I had been traveling in Europe. And I was living in Paris. And I was just like, I always want to go to Budapest, Hungary. I'll go to Budapest, Hungary. I went to Budapest, Hungary. And I go, well, you know, I'm always going to try to have a meetup. Whenever I'm in a city... If I can, I always want to meet the locals. And I went to Budapest and we're talking. I meet these great guys and then we start talking about the refugee thing, right? The so-called refugee crisis. And my guys were like, no, 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 Mike. What the media is telling you about the refugees in, in Budapest? Because at the point, at that point in time, Budapest had been a choke point for the refugee inflow. You know, we call them migrants. They're not actually really refugees, but we'll get to that. And these guys are just dropping knowledge that I'd never heard from the media. I'd, I'd never had any kind of idea about. And I thought, well, how do they know all this stuff? And they said, well, you know, we have friends in parliament and we're just, we live here. We walk around, we can go to the border. And I thought to myself, like, and a huge epiphany hit me. I said, Mike, you have a network of sources for a journalistic empire that puts you on a level of n- nobody, just like the top level. Now you might be saying, what do you mean by that, Mike? Well, think about it, okay? If you're a journalist and you want to do news, people go, Mike, how do you get all these hot stories? You just where you know everything, right? Well, I have a network of sources that were danger play readers. Now think about it, okay? We've we've talked about in a previous podcast called the resourcefulness mindset, is how you want to look around and view yourself as resourceful and look at resources that you have and that you've always had. But a lot of time, our resources are defined by – well, they're defined by our definitions, right? So I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have a meetup with Danger and Play guys and you know, we'll hang out. It'll be fun. But that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is everybody who reads Danger and Play is a network, is a source, is people who can bring me the news and give me the hottest tips. I have people in every city. I, I went to Shibanek, Croatia. Have you even heard of Shibanek? I went to the waterfalls and posted an Instagram picture, and I had a guy say, "Hey, I see that you're at the waterfalls. I think the Kraka waterfalls. You know, I'd like to meet." And I thought, well, you know, I'm just in a small like Croatian town. You know, I would have had something there. I didn't even realize it. I realized, like, man, I got people everywhere, internationally. Now, if you think about it, if you start off as a journalist and you're 25, 30, or you know, college kid, 22, 23, where are you going to get going to get stories from? Right, you don't know any police officers. You don't know military. You don't know law enforcement. You don't know high level executives. You don't know big big timers. Right? How are you going to get them? And that's why most of what you read is called journalism or blogging. They'll read what I write, or they'll read what somebody else writes, and they kind of rewrite it. It's called journalism because you're churning out content rather than creating it. Whereas what I do is I re- original journalism. I, I got that Dallas shooter photo. Nobody else had it. Nobody else had it. I had it. Well, how? From dangerandplay.com. So what I did was I redefined what danger and play is. I redefined 
people, right? So, and I, and I've used this before where I always said, I don't like, I don't have fans. I have friends, right? Well, there's, that's a definition. If I think I'm Mike Zernovich and I have fans, well, then I'm going to act like a celebrity because our definitions in a lot of ways dictate our mindset. I'm Mike Cernovich. I have fans. I'm a hot shot. I'll go meet my fans. Look at me. Aren't I cool? But if I use different language and I redefine fans as like, no, they're just friends, man. They're just people trying to get better at life. And I'm just a guy trying to get better at life. And I've learned a few things and I share what I learn with people and they like it. And it's cool. Well, that changes the dynamic. And that's why I'm able to stay relevant, even though it's very hard to stay relevant on the internet so hard. You can be forgotten so fast because I've never viewed myself as a fan or a celebrity. I've just viewed myself as, hey, I'm just a guy. I got people, they like my stuff and we talk and we hang out and isn't it cool? And isn't this really amazing what we're able to do together? Because I, I've redefined it. And when you redefine a fan or a reader as a friend or even as a, a source, a network, then suddenly I have the biggest one-man media empire in the world, Right. Because of danger in play. And that was just because I changed those definitions in my own head. That story kind of came to mind because I just did a podcast with Stefan Molyneux. Hope I'm saying it's Molyneux. I, I think that's how you say it. I'm real bad with names, okay? Everybody who knows me knows that I'll try to drill names. When I, get, when I hear a new name, I'll remember everything about your life, but I'll forget your name. I'll remember you told me the time that you were eight years old and you didn't get – picked up by your parents at the bus stop and you had to walk home and you were afraid and there was a creepy guy down the street trying to get you to come into his van for free candy. You know, I'll remember anything. But your name, like I won't remember it, I'll mispronounce it. So all respect to Stefan Molyneux. Great show, but when we're doing the show and he's got like 500,000 YouTube subscribers, is at each episode of his show does 100,000, 200,000, sometimes millions of views, right? Well, He's on Skype. I'm on Skype, and he has a little whiteboard behind him or a green screen, whatever you want to call it. Now, a lot of people, you all have Skype, right? You all have a resource. Well, how do you define that resource, though? We have the same resources, right? Well, you could say, well, I have Skype, and I use Skype to call people. Or you could say, I have a media network. I have a media studio right in my computer. Now. Both of you are right. If you and I both have Skype, we both have voice over, what is it, VOIP, right? We both have a way to talk to others across the internet. That's true. What is also true is that we both have a multimedia studio. See? See how you want to think big, change your definitions of the words, right? You want to think what are these resources that I've always had that I hadn't even thought of? You know, danger and play readers are actually a network of sources worldwide, international sources about the hottest news stories. That's the same. People read Danger and Play. That's true. They are network of sources. That is also true, right? Skype is a way to talk. True. It is a studio more powerful than they had in the 60s and 70s. Also true. Think about it more. A lot of people say, Mike, I want to do what you do. And I go, well, there's nothing stopping you from doing a podcast, right? How did I start doing journalism? I just take my phone and turn on Periscope and record. So we could say we have an iPhone, which is a way to text message each other or to play Pokemon Go and to chase things, right? Or we could say I have a full multimedia studio in my pocket. See, and they're both true. 
And that is a, another issue we talk about, like framing. For example, you can call a problem a problem, or you can call it a way to grow and to improve yourself spiritually. Both are true, right? But we get hung up on our definitions. We get hung up on what is it? What does it really mean? Or the way we define ourselves. You always want to try to look at the same thing you have, but just reconceive it. Think about it differently. Think about it as a resource. So if you think of a relationship as a resource, it becomes better because then you view, well, how can I be better for this person? How can I actually get more out of life being with this person? You you just think of things differently and you make a lot of connections that you wouldn't otherwise make, which is again why at the beginning of the podcast I said, I don't know that I have a great pithy, catchy title for it. I just know that I do a lot more than most people because, yeah, I'm, I'm a smart guy or whatever, but a lot of people are smarter than me, you know, billions of people, maybe not billions, but a lot of people are smarter than me, hundreds of millions, okay? But I just view things kind of differently. Why do I? Well, did you know that I have dyslexia? Most of you probably don't because it isn't something I talk about. But if you've ever read my writing, you know, my handwriting is very hard to read and there's always a lot of typos in my writing, way more than average. Well, because I'm dyslexic, I view things differently than other people. Now, a lot of people would say, well, dyslexia is a, you know, a learning disability, which you call them, learning disability. Well, that's true because it impacts the way that you, you know, read words and it becomes harder. And there's probably one reason I don't get names right all the time is because I have, um, I, you know, my brain just scrambled things a different way, right? Yeah, but I also have unique insights that other people don't have because I view things differently. That's also true. So what is true of dyslexia is that it is a learning disability. It is also true of dyslexia that is a learning advantage, a learning ability, because I'm able to make connections in the world and see things that may seem wacky at first in ways that other people can't because my perception is just different from people, right? So I see like, oh, yeah, people go, Mike, you make a lot of connections. Well, yeah, because I'm dyslexic, I'm looking at things from a different angle than you are. And because of that, I have insights that other people don't have. It got me into a little bit of trouble early on, even in college a little bit, because I would get asked a question on a topic. I actually remember a meeting I had with, I was in a leadership course and I was giving a writing assignment and I was the best participant in the class. The teachers loved me. And when I had my talk with them, I had straight A's that semester, except for that one class. And I think I got like a B. And they go like, Mike, we really need to talk to you. And I go, yeah, what's wrong, man? They go, we have to give you a B. And I was like, what? You know, at the time I was 19, I was probably really sad, you know? I don't remember how I felt, but I, I was shocked. And they were like, well, we have, they go, look, like what you wrote about on these topics have nothing to do with the questions, <laughs> right? And I was like, what do you mean? You know, they would ask me these questions and I would just answer it in a way that that was eloquent. The writing was good. The structure was good, but I didn't actually answer the questions. So they had to give me a B in the class because I would just answer things differently. But to me, I was like, well, no, I answered your question you know, perfectly. So I actually had to learn how to overcome it where people sometimes would ask me a question and I would just answer it completely differently, but thinking that I answered it absolutely correctly. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really understand because I just looked at things differently. So that's in that regard, it's like, well, it's a disability. But in the other regard, it's an ability because once you get out of that structured um, educational environment where you have to answer the questions other people ask you, and then you do what I do, which is I just ask questions about the world, the universe, life, mindset, your life, problems, humanity. I can go as deep as I want, 
and I can look at things from any angle I want and just share that angle. So I don't have to answer the questions other people ask. And that's another reason I would have a lot of so-called miscommunications with people. You know, they ask me questions. I'm like, yeah, you know, here's the truth. Well, if, if you don't look at things from the same angle, angle that I look at it, then to you, you're like, well, this is just gibberish. What he, what he told me, you know, does that make any sense at all? Well, that's again, because same issue. So you can view dyslexia as a disability or you can view it as a resource because now you're thinking, well, fuck, I can come up come up with stuff that nobody else comes up with. And that's why a lot of people at first think whatever I'm doing is crazy and I'm like, trust me, it isn't. Or they'll say what I'm doing is random and I say, well, from your perspective and the way you view the world, what I do is total chaos and completely random and upside down. But two, three years ago, people told me what I was doing was wrong and I said, trust me. If you listen to the early podcast, I'm like, look, guys, I know what I'm doing. I appreciate your concern. Like, I'm on the right path. And now, you know, because of my profile now, nobody says that anymore. But the difference is I just view things from a completely different perspective. And you got to do that in your own life. The way you can view things if you're not dyslexic from a different perspective is just redefine words. There's, there's a game you can play, you know, like for writing or for drawing. You know, when you're drawing, they'll say, draw a coffee cup. So right now, like I'm looking at a coffee cup, okay? Like I'm literally sitting here in my studio, aka hotel, while the Audacity podcast thing service is run, okay? And you just look at a cup. Now, we all know what a coffee cup is. It's a place to put coffee. But when you stop, you look at it, you can see that there is a, there's a seal on the side of the cup. So that if you actually tore that ceiling, seal apart you could unravel a coffee cup. So if you unravel the coffee cup, you would actually have a pad of notepaper and you could write on the inside of it, right? So look at a coffee cup and you just say, ah, oh, coffee cup, I know what a coffee cup is. Yeah, but what if I told you it was a, a scroll, a way to write stuff? You'd say, well, that's crazy. You know, you can unravel it actually, get the, get the unglue and you can unravel it. And now granted, it might not be the perfect pad of paper, but the point is you're just, you're entertaining, you know, ideas. And you can do that in all kinds of, little things around the house. You can that's another way to become more creative too. Maybe I'll title this podcast how to be more creative. And then you start to look at the coffee cup and the ridges and the underside of the coffee cup and you look at the structure of the cup and how many components are in it. Okay, there's looks like there's three parts to it. And you just spend a lot of time looking at an object with no preconception about what it is. Now that might seem weird to us and zany to us, but what happens is that they'll find like buckets or cans. If you dropped empty tin cans in the jungle, well, that would be used as a storage basin, right? Because to them, there's for us, a can is something you throw away. We throw away plastic bottles, right? Think about, but if you've had, if you're primal man and you got a plastic bottle, that would be a treasure, a, a convenient way to carry water. For us, it's just a disposable object. You don't give it a second thought, but that would be like an amazing, remarkable way to carry water through long distances. Plastic, what a what a thing, right? Well, you know, everywhere around you, there are all these objects that you kind of look at and you take for granted and you think you know what they are. Well, why don't you try to find three, four, five, seven, ten different ways to use the object or ten different ways to, to conceive of the object or to view it differently? And then that becomes more creative. And then that creativity has to go in your own words that you use to describe yourself, okay? So here's how that that is used. I had an interview with Scott Adams of Dilbert, Creative Dilbert, very successful entrepreneur. 
and I go, well, you know, what do you think of, how do you define yourself, right? Because Scott Adams is really big into identity. What he calls identity, I call mindset, but the concepts are the same. And that's why a lot of what we write about perfectly makes sense together. We just use a little bit different language. What he calls persuasion, I call marketing. What he call what I call mindset, he calls identity. He said, well, my identity is entrepreneur because if I think of myself as an entrepreneur, then I don't view that there are any limits on what I can do. Now you think, oh, that's obvious. Well, really, but if you're a cartoonist, you think of yourself as a cartoonist, a cartoonist draws. But if you think of yourself as an entrepreneur, then you think, well, how can I make money from these cartoons? And then you start to think about marketing. You think more broadly, right? That's why people, you know, they say, what do you think about? I'm like, I think of myself as a media empire. And they go, whoa, that's delusional. Well, they don't say it now because, you know, everything I do, but that's how I thought. Because if I think of myself as a media empire, then I think about doing films. People go, well, why did you want to do silence, the documentary free speech? The silence is going to be done, not the silenced, silenced will be done into August and then we're going to release it depending upon uh, film festivals. If the film festival picks it up and they want to do a broader release, then we'll have an embargo. But otherwise, we'll have it out soon. Well, why did I do a film? Well, because if I think of myself as a media empire, then I have to do film. If I just think of myself as a writer or a blogger, well, what do bloggers do? Well, you're a blogger, you have a blog, right? And then your social media, your Twitter is just a way to get people to go to your blog. And you build an email list and that's the way to do it, right? But I think of it in terms of, no, no, I'm running a media empire, which means I have to get a message out to as many people as possible. And then I view everything as like a distribution network. I have the Twitter distribution network, the Facebook distribution network, the YouTube distribution network, which I don't really like, the Periscope distribution network, the podcast distribution network, the book, right? So does it really sound delusional now when I call myself a media empire, right? It really doesn't. Now, haters are going to say what they're going to say, so I never really cared when people go, you're delusional. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. You know, I'm just sharing with you that was how I conceived myself as I conceived myself of a media empire. And I am because <laughs> people could say you can't be a media empire just as one guy. If you want to be a media empire like Vice or Gawker or, or The Intercept or Breitbart or whatever, you need you know, tens of million dollars a year and hundreds of employees and you need venture capital and everything. And I just said, oh, I'm a one-man media empire. And if you think of yourself as a one-man media empire, well, then I, I have to make enough money to support myself and my family. And you know, I do. And I don't have to think of it as like payroll salary, is there IT department, is there this? I don't have to think about the management logistics because I'm a one-man media empire, right? That's just the definition. You can use your own definitions for yourself and they can be as big as you want them to be or they can be as small as you want them to be. And I have always used very big – well, not always. You know, I had to learn this stuff the gorilla mindset way. I use big – definitions of my visions. Now, you don't have to tell people because maybe you're not like me and you don't like to be laughed at. If you use a big definition for yourself before you're a big time, you're going to sound kind of like a jo joke. You know, People are going to laugh at you and you know, tr do that as you may. Keep it to yourself. Tell other people. But internally, as far as your mindset goes, you got to find the biggest definition of yourself that you can use or, th or the most appropriate for your life vision. Another way that I think of myself is like a one-man media empire. A lot of people say, Mike, you're thinking small. Why don't you start a big like Vice type thing? Why don't you be as big as Vice or be as big as Breitbart? So they might even think that I think small. But I would say, well, yeah, but if I did that, then I would have management obligations, responsibilities. 
you know, just a lot of hassle I don't want to deal with. I have to deal with logistics and operations and, yeah, you know. So it, it you don't you don't have to think big by someone else's definition. Big by your own definition could just be like I like big freedom. Right now I'm about to go to the Democratic National Committee, okay? Um after that is done, I'm going to New York and I got a TV appearance on a show. And I never do TV, but I'm going to do it just one time because people still take TV seriously, so I can get that social proof, but TV doesn't matter. Don't try to get on TV. But if an opportunity comes up, you know, like what came up for me, I'm going to do it, okay? Uh, I was in Alaska recently, okay? I just said I want to go to Alaska. I want to hike. Well, I can do all that because I'm not running a big, huge, multi-conglomerate media company, all right? I'm just running a one-man media company. So big for me doesn't necessarily mean I go up to the 50th floor on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Big for me means I have big amounts of personal freedom. See? That's my definition. Your definitions can be whatever you want. But your definitions have to be consistent with your life vision and making your life vision as big as you want it to be. So for me, I'm a one-man media empire. That is the definition I use for myself. One-man media empire. Have a mantra. Remember affirmations and guerrilla mindset. We talk about affirmations. Become too big to ignore. Cause see, I love my book, guys. All right, I live it. I didn't write it because I crib stuff from other people. This is all stuff that I did and that I've done for other people. Made I've made multi uh, millions for people, okay, for multiple people because of the mindset stuff. All right, I just used different definitions. Okay, my mantra, my affirmation, too big to ignore. Now I've later learned I think there was a guy called Dean Martin who was a celebrity in the fifties or a singer or whatever. I'm not saying that I invented too big to ignore. I probably it's probably a derivation of too big to fail from the banks, okay? We don't get into, you know, who who owns it. Your mantra is your mantra. You know, I don't care. So mine, my affirmation, my mantra is just all right, too big to ignore. I'm gonna become too big to ignore because I'm running a one man media empire. Okay, well politifact. Which is a you know mainstream media site. It's big. It's legitimate. Yada yada. It's actually a fraud site. It's a hoax. But you know within the the social structures and social constructs, I mean, it's a real site. Well, they had to write an article refuting one of my articles. Now my article was true, and I stand behind it. And what they wrote was a hoax to try to make me look bad. But that's not the point. Media Matters, which is funded by George Soros, a billionaire, billionaire donor who wants to cause a lot of hostilities in America, they they wrote an article about me. They hated on me. When the WikiLeaks stuff hit and my stuff is trending, all these people are hating on me. Well, good, because I'm too big to ignore. My mantra isn't be loved by everyone. Maybe that's your mantra. I'm not going to say that's a good or a bad one. It's yours. Mine, though, I'm just telling you how I think about the world and how you have to think about the world. I can't tell you what to think. I can only tell you different ways to conceive of yourself, to view yourself, to define yourself, and that you want to define yourself as broadly as you can. I don't define you as fans. I define you as friends, right? And as network sources, the media, okay? I don't define myself as a blogger. I define myself as media empire. Anybody who takes exception to that, I would tell you, well, then, why does PolitiFact write about me? Why does Media Matters write about me? Why does every pundit and every journalist hate me? And they'll block me on Twitter and, and they refuse to write about me. They'll steal my stories. They plagiarize, right? Because I'm a one-man media empire. That's how I define myself. But, I, but I've always defined myself this way, right? Because you can't get where I am 
or where I want to be. I'm not, I'm not even where I want to be, okay? Or where I'm going to be. I'm just, this is where I am now. Because that's how you define yourself. When you define your own life, look at resources you already have, okay? Redefine it. Redefine it bigger, better, bolder, more audacious. Redefine yourself bigger, better, more audacious. What's going to happen? You're going to have the same resources that you've always had, but they're going to be multiplied by times 10. I, you know, you don't need a budget. You know, there's nothing I can't stand with people like I need if only had this, I only had that. You have everything that you need right now to succeed. You just don't realize it because your definitions are wrong and that includes your definitions of yourself. Think bigger. Go gorilla. Gorillas are big. That's why I picked it. Big, strong. There's nothing in gorilla mindset about gorillas. It's just a, a mentality, a mindset, right? The idea is a big, strong gorilla gets what it wants out of life, and that's what you are, gorillas. Think like a gorilla. Think big. Define yourself as big as you want to be. Keep it yourself if you want. Share it with the world. doesn't matter to me. That's the message for today. I don't know what the podcast is called for today. Maybe I'll call it how to be more creative. Thanks a lot for listening in. This is Mike Cernovich from Danger from Play and Gorilla Mindset.